It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, Joel? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day guys, Alex here and welcome to episode 176 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined once again by tennis tipster Aidan Wardle. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. It's uh, yeah, it's good to be back. Actually, I'm looking forward to to chatting all things betting. I know it's been about, I think, about a year. I looked back the other day. It was it's been about a year since our last chat. I feel like a, a lots a lots happened since our our last chat, and that's you know mostly the reason why I've uh, I've got you back on, mate. Um, I guess I, I guess the the first question is like, can you give me an overall summary of yeah, what your last year's been like? Um, yeah, if, if anyone's, um, we're not going to go, you know, too much into your like, you know, your your history and like, um, I guess you know how your process for tennis betting and all that kind of stuff because that was kind of covered on the last podcast. Yeah. So anyone that wants to, yeah, find out more about Aiden and his background and how he got into, you know, betting professionally on tennis, you can go and check that out. It's about a year. I think it was episode one fifty something around there. Um, so you yeah. can go and check that out. Um, but yeah, mate, a lot, a lot's happened since that last that last uh, chat that we had. Can you um, maybe just yeah, a brief synopsis of what's happened? Not going too deep because we can get into that after. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's what's happened the last year, mate? <laughs> so yeah, so the last time we talked was uh, just before the US Open, I think, um, and. After the US Open, I had a, a, a bad losing run of around um, 50, 50 points uh, towards the end of the year. Um, and it put me in a, a difficult situation straight away because um, my tipping service is, is based on pay for profit mainly. I, I did a bit with Picchio as well, but the, the revenue isn't, isn't too high. But with a pay for profit system with my tipping and then my, the, the bets individually uh, losing themselves at the time, it suddenly put me in quite a difficult situation um, financially. Um, you know, I kind of regathered and in January sort of uh, took the kind of approach of, uh, you know, fresh start and whatever, but it was still a, a lean period for five, six months. And, I felt like there were things with my betting that I wasn't doing right. I wasn't quite as as mentally sharp as I should have been. And um, it all accumulated with uh, taking a break in in May um, for, you know, two, two three months uh, to really kind of reevaluate. I, I thought I might have to stop tennis betting um, just generally. I thought like, it, it could be that I'm going to change career. I thought it could be... Um, very difficult to integrate tennis betting into my life. But in the last month, I've kind of realised I, I feel I've got a, a sort of a, a road path now to making my process a lot more streamlined and efficient. And I'm actually super optimistic for, for you know, making profit on the tennis again. So... It's, it really has been a, a bit of a roller coaster in the in the last twelve months, but you know sometimes that's the the roller coaster that teaches you the lessons, isn't it? The, the low points and and whatever. So in terms of your actual results, you went from 
Can you remember exactly where you are? I know you're tipping on multiple platforms or multiple different yeah. ways. Um, maybe, I don't know, if you want to use your Picchio one as an example or whatever you choose, whatever. What yeah. kind of rough ROI were you at, let's say, you know, US yeah. Open last year um, compared to when you shut up shop in, was it, did you say it was May or June or something like that? Yeah, so... It's probably easiest to do it with the, my bot stats just because I've literally been kind of reanalyzing it all and and so forth. But I, I had basically I've made 200 points of profit on the bot um, for the sort of 2019 to 2022 to that US Open point. And then um, maybe I was up to maybe 220. And then now um, after I sort of dipped or maybe 210 but I, I dipped about 60 70 points and um my roi went from um sort of around 13 percent on um picchio to six or no it was probably at the time it was about 10 percent on picchio to six and a half percent now so it's a significant drop but it also shows in, in some senses how well the results were before but i'm still able to record like a, a decent ROI in the long term, but um, in terms of making an in income, it's it was it's a long period to go without making a profit. That's for sure. Yeah, because I think most people would listen to that, or at least I definitely would listen to that and go, "You've dropped from a whatever you said a thirteen percent ish ROI, let's just say, down to six percent. Yeah. Like a six percent ROI over you know three four years." is mm. tremendous in most yeah you know in most sports uh mm. let alone you know when you're uh, tipping on picchio and you're using pinnacle prices to some of the sharpest in the market if not the sharpest so mm. um i'm assuming that the reason why you had to stop was because i guess did you do you think you like were betting irresponsibly like in terms of bankroll management or something like that because if you if you're overall up if you get what i mean i assume like the problem is over yeah. time you're like increasing your bankroll over you're increasing your bankroll increasing yeah. your stakes so you're gonna win more and lose more as as time goes on was that yeah was that kind of the case why you lost a lot of i guess or, or had to had to stop yeah, I, I think it was the case of, you know, when I first started betting, um, I was sort of being almost maybe the opposite of being kind of too cautious. And then it took me um, more time to kind of get to a point of um, having a certain bankroll. Um, and that bankroll probably just wasn't high enough to sustain even though i feel in the last year i tip i was betting fairly responsible but responsibly but the combined loss of kind of income from the tips and then the betting side of things it just wasn't enough of a security blanket um to kind of to weather the 12 months in a sense i think i just hadn't quite anticipated that you know it, it would be a, a period that would would last as, as long as it did um and then i think it, it does make the whole betting side of things difficult because you're trying to figure out your, your own financial situation with still making profitable bets and having the right mindset so 
Yeah, to answer your question, I, d I don't think it was a case that it was uh, being irresponsible as such with the bankroll, but it was a case that I hadn't built enough of a security buffer in the in the previous years from the good times, I'd say, to, to allow me to kind of weather, weather this period a bit better in, in some senses. Did you start decreasing your stakes over the months as your like bankroll got smaller? Because I mean that's yeah. theoretically what you're supposed to do, but I know yeah. in in practice that's um, demoralizing. I would say because you get to like you get yeah, excited yeah. every time you start building your bankroll, you build your stakes. You're like, okay, this is this is exponential. I've got an edge here. I'm going to get bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. Bankroll's going to get bigger, more profit, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Did you it's, or were you were you actually reducing your stakes as you yeah declined? I, I did. I, I was reducing my my stakes, but it, it does become difficult to do it at the rate that you should because you have this kind of anchoring effect of, as you say, yeah. you know that the whole concept of betting is that the you have more and you can grow more exponentially when your stakes are higher. So when you're you're dropping your anchors and and bringing them down, you, it's it is demoralizing because you know that the if your ROI on a certain bet is, I don't know, a few percent or whatever, like you're cutting into that edge and you're cutting into your bottom line and you, you still got your, your everyday expenses in life that you've got to cover and, and that sort of thing. And it's that kind of imbalance of trying to um, realise that things are not going in that right path and trying to figure out your solution to, to how that's going to work. Yeah. So overall, why, yeah, why do you think you were losing? Like, how did you, did you come to a conclusion where you were like, I've, I've completely lost my edge or did you come to the conclusion of like, I'm making some big errors here and yeah. I'm not sure if I've lost my edge or not. Um, you know, maybe I've dropped down to like a 1% ROI edge kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's like hugely volatile. Like you can't really tell if yeah. you're profitable or not when you, when you're really, when you're only dealing with a very small edge. So um, yeah. How did you kind of come to the conclusion? Cause the tennis betting market is also very interesting in the fact that there's no, well, there is a closing line, but it's not as efficient mm -hmm. as other sports either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's there's studies being done on that about you know mm. other tennis betters who have had large sample sizes and and been and been winning over time and had zero closing line value. So, um, yeah, mate, how did you how did you come to the conclusion that you'd lost your edge or part of it? Yeah. So for me, I'm because my betting is not model based; it's, it's it's intuition based. A lot of it is based on how sharp I feel mentally and and the ideas and the process that I'm coming up with. And basically, I got into some really what I'd describe as poor habits. It wasn't. Um, it, it's a lot of the time. It's sometimes habits you build up over time, and you you don't really realize the impact that they're having, but um it's only through you know the period of having a break in the last few months that I've really been able to assess exactly why I feel um I was on such a uh you know stagnant run and I, I generally feel there were there were things that I did that made my betting minus EV at times and I still feel there were periods in this last year where I was actually um quite producing some really good 
um, high EV bets, but there's reasons why they were sort of being negated by the mistakes I would make. Um, an example of this is I would be the Australian Open is the, the, a really good um, kind of case study in the first round and the second round. I basically I was excited for the new season. Like I sort of had this process of analysing more players, more matches, making more notes. I had a day in the first two rounds where I, I staked a lot and it was one of these ones where I was quite tired. I hadn't slept well, but my filtering process wasn't filtering out a lot of the um, bets or the, the downsides of bets. So I, I, I just kind of trust my instincts. I put about, you know, I know 20 tips or something. I, I don't know if you, you remember this, but I lost about I think 14, 15 points on on that given day, and that's a that's a really big percentage of your, your bankroll just straight away. Um, and for subscribers, so you've got this added weight of ah, uh, you've lost a load of money for your subscribers on this given day. Um, and I actually, you know, bounced back at the Australian Open. I made um, made that back, but you just put yourself on such a, a down downhill on on from the get-go by having a day like that and for me that as a tipster when i'm at my best it's re the reverse that i'm i'm managing the downside and making the but the losing days quite small and then the the big days i'm making big profits with the odds ranges that i'm tipping so i feel like that happened maybe three or four times in the last year which really kind of um set me on the back foot whenever i'd have a day like that um in terms of the the bets themselves a lot of the mistakes i was making were at lower odds and on wta um i actually on my youtube channel i i cover um a lot of where i was strong and where i was weak in the last uh 12 months on my um tennis bets and for example on the match winner market on round one I was tipping a lot at around evens and I lost about 50 points on that specific market and that specific round which is crazy but then I was making an ROI of above 30% this season on odds over three so I was just I feel like I haven't lost my edge at all I just feel that I was doing making a lot of bad bets in certain key areas that were actually taking up a high percentage of my betting um so to speak which is really interesting and it just goes to show that you have to really kind of dive deeply into the data to to really understand what you're doing and and like where things have gone wrong i feel yeah you make a i think you make a really interesting point in that when people lose their edge or when people think that you lose your edge, I think the general conception is probably that every bet you place is negative EV, or whatever percentage that is. Whereas I, I actually think it's, and I, I noticed this when um, with my own betting on the UFC, is that what takes away from my edge is it's it's normally just like it's, it's in terms of increasing my edge all it was was uh removing those one or two bad, bad bets every week where it's mm. not it's not like you're you're you know say you got 10 bets for the week or something like that it's not like every bet was a couple of percent roi maybe 
eight of them were 5% ROI and two of them were negative 10%. I don't I'm just making up a really bad example here. But I think, yeah, you explain that well in the sense that when you're betting a lot of the time, especially someone like you who spends as much time as you do in this market, it's actually very hard for you to be a to be placing negative EV bets over and over because you're sharp. You've been doing yeah. this for years. It's like it's only really a couple of bets which are negative EV and they can really affect, you know, your overall results because in the, in the general sense of things is that you're not, it's not like you've got a 50% edge every time you place a bet. You've got like a small mm-hmm. edge every time you, 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 you place a bet. And if you've just got one or two bets that are like, quite big negative ev it can erode that edge you had on the majority of your other bets so so quickly oh yeah like i i absolutely think it's not something that's discussed much as well i hear like there's this this assumption in the the tipping industry where when you see someone that's their results are declining or losing their edge there's this kind of assumption that it's linear that all your bets are suddenly becoming slightly worse and i i I fundamentally think with my own betting, it's not been like that at all. It's it's been an increase of bad bets, which, as you say, completely erodes some of the good work that you do. And I think yeah. fundamentally, it was frustrating because I would I would have some really good bets this year, um, like like Cordery, it's Medvedev at Australia Open, and 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 ones that you know, like over a given year, I've I've produced enough good bets to you know have a, a really decent season yeah i was just undoing a lot of that good work because as you were saying the problem with the the bad negative ev bets is you know you're, you're accounting for the margin with the bookmaker as well so if you make the mistake and you've got that margin that you've got to cover it sort of means that any mistake is emphasized more um and and as you say i just don't think you can afford to to do that as a, a profitable better you can't afford to have a, a, a high like and i feel like in the last year the reason the results have been so poor like minus 50 points losing run is that my percentage of bad bets was quite high for, for a while which was um almost uh, you know the, the financial situation wasn't great with the tipping but it, it was one where I felt like I, I would be irresponsible at that point to keep tipping from the perspective of I was I, I, I needed to find ways of changing my process so that I'm not having these bad days because like ultimately it's not sustainable long term even if I can, you know, manage it short term. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great lesson for for people out there that are originating is that um I, I noticed it um yeah, like I said in my own betting on the UFC before the start of this year was that I was probably doing somewhere in the range of like 3 to 5% on the UFC and then I kind of evaluated my process and since then I've removed, um, through various things, removed the the bad bets that I was placing or the, the bets that were just highly volatile and, you know, would often frustrate me that they would continue to lose. And and once I did that, my ROI, you know, a lot a lot just start doing a lot better than what it was. So um, I think it's a that's a lesson for for people to 
I think it, it comes back to like one of the most fundamental things in betting and that's tracking your bets. And that's what I've always enjoyed about watching you, mate, is that you, yeah, you've been so open and honest and thorough with your tracking and you've been able to see, you know, what betting markets you've been doing well in. You've even delved into odds ranges too, which is really interesting. And I think this is like, it's, one of the like first things you get told to do when you start when you start becoming a profitable better and it's it's something that i i i know that a lot of guys that are very good at betting don't do and it leaves you um i would say like leaves your brain naked in a way when you're like (laughs) when you're losing because you have no idea why or, or where to put your energy on and when you don't know why you're losing that is like the biggest like i don't know that's like my biggest stress in in my life is like Mm. why why are you losing and if you've got all the answers on a tracker for you or potential answers that the tracker could give you um it gives you such such clarity and an ability to to move forward with confidence and was that was that kind of is that been a way that you've been able to, I guess, evaluate your last year has been able to go back and have a look and see, um, yeah, which markets you've been losing on and which, you know, which ones have been affecting your, your losing months the most? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's exactly, you've just kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of that, that is exactly the issue when, when you're in a losing run and, and you don't know, exactly why that's happening you know that if you don't change things you're just going to keep repeating these same mistakes so in february that was my whole goal of doing the the big kind of deep dive data analysis where i went into all these things and figured out exactly where i was making mistakes as i said like first round match when it was a massive leak um at a certain odds range as well and the more you define that data the more that you kind of dig into samples and i guess i'm lucky that i have now got you know over 2400 bets or something so it makes it easier to do a micro analysis if that makes sense you can dig deeper into odds ranges and things and you've still got a sample of 300 bets which is enough to to work with um so i think I, I know that the data has real validity um in terms of what i was looking at and that that has really helped me in the last few months to be like okay there is definitely a way that i can do this and make good profits still it's just the i think the funniest thing was that after february and 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 whatever after doing these deep dives is that i didn't adjust straight away to these things because when you're in the moment when you're tennis betting and the 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 calendar's relentless right you're doing bets every week you don't you have this time to i did this time to evaluate my bets and stuff but you don't really have the time to really think about oh how i'm going to spend my day like what exactly do i want to target um and it's only through having the longer break of a month or two where i've been like okay i want to focus on atp tennis i want to focus on this in the first round and i think now i've far more clearly defined exactly where i'm going to be making my money from tennis and um and what i want to avoid like wta i just 
I, I feel like it scrambles my head to be honest, mate. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I definitely feel like I'm far clearer about what I want to achieve from my betting, and it it gives me a lot more confidence and conviction in in um, my ideas as well. When when you feel like you have more clarity about things. Yeah, no, that's great, mate. Because it does when you maybe not at the time you you don't realize it, but if you're asking me, like if I if you were just starting today as a tennis better, I wouldn't go and tell you to go and try and bet the ATP and the WTA and bet every single market that they that they offer. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a stupid thing to go and tell someone to do because you're talking about two, you know, two like. <laughs> like that's not like a niche thing to get into like mm-hmm. a niche thing to get into would be like atp and then get into maybe like you know one betting market or, or at the most maybe two betting markets something like that or focus on a particular group of players i don't if you know what i mean like so yeah, do you look yeah. back and because i kind of like listen to you say it and think it was kind of it is kind of crazy to think that you were you know trying to cover two i mean i mean yeah and, and it's not like it's not like Australian Open men's and Australian Open ladies. It's like throughout the year, there's like sometimes there's like isn't there like four different tournaments going on at like two WTAs yeah. and two ATP. So it's like, yeah. Do you look back and think like what was I kind of thinking? Like why was I not just focusing on like more niche things and trying to spread myself yeah. thin? I I think it's I was definitely juggling too many plates. I think I was. You know, and especially with my betting style, it's very much I watch tennis to get my betting yeah. angles. It's, uh, but I feel like one of the, the problems I had was almost I would pay too much attention to what other tipsters would be doing or what they were achieving. And, and there are some tipsters that make profit on ATP WTA challenges. Um all of them but they'll have a different approach to me to be honest their their approach would be less deep it would be knowing certain angles and i think i was trying to almost replicate what other people were kind of trying to achieve instead of actually focusing on what i'm good at so i feel like with wta at the start i I, I, because i have been tipping both for since sort of 2019 2020 but the the level of wta that i integrated was increasing because i felt like the more knowledge i gained of players the the better my situation would get in terms of profiting on on that code but what it really did was it was actually just spreading my time and and focus into a you know a, a narrower um kind of subset uh, of my betting whereas what really on a broader subsection of my betting which meant I couldn't find that same depth on the ATP which is my strength so I've really realized that I need to condense it to where I'm actually betting effectively and honestly I think the US Open I felt so much better so much more relaxed and it, it made me realize how much of a kind of burden it is to have too much to do and like too many matches to analyze and I felt way mentally fresher just from you know focusing on what I needed to focus on and the quality of my bets at the US Open are probably better than any tournament in the last year or two to be honest so I I feel a lot more confident just on that basis alone. Yeah you mentioned reading other people's opinions on Twitter 
Um, can you kind of go into that a, a bit more deeper? Because I, I'm a firm believer, and I'm, you probably are too, that like you want to be getting opinions from from other people. Like you don't want to just like you know a, mm. a, a group of smart minds is much more powerful than just one smart mind. So, do you? How have you? Have you like eliminated that completely from your betting now? Like canvassing opinions from other people, or um, are you still doing that? And kind of yeah, how have you adapted? So yeah, I, I still do it, but I do it far more from a general approach rather than specific. So for example, I'll read write-ups for outright previews and see like, oh, what kind of data are they using for this given tournament? But then when it comes down to the morning and, and I'm analysing the matches, I'll always analyse all my bets first and decide on my bets before I look into what other people are doing. And then when I do look into other people, it will just be like one or two tipsters. I, I, I just kind of want a fundamental understanding of what someone might think about a play that um, I've made or so forth so i'm just trying i just streamline that side of things a lot more just to try and get what i need but also not get enough to cloud my own process um i want to primarily be making the decisions first and then if there's some sort of real red flag that someone mentions um it's funny because I've, I've actually got a subscriber who who's been following my tips for three or four years and like we like we talk about tennis most days actually and and my bets and i actually use him sometimes to filter out certain bets because he knows me so well and the mistakes that i make so he's often a good barometer of telling me oh like this is a certain angle that you've not profited on before or you've made that mistake and i'll be like oh okay and at first i didn't trust him i was like you know <laughs> um i know better than you like you, you know he's yeah. sort of telling me, oh don't don't trust like don't bet against a french player on his last tournament i'm like oh he's past it he's he's not doing anything and it was uh simon against uh Carino buster and he won it like 13 odds and I'd tip minus 10.5 games um, so I've learned to sort of trust certain like it's it's combined with my own intuition of what I feel um, like I still trust myself primarily but if there is something that they say that I'm like okay yeah that's a good point I'll kind of take it into consideration but yeah like I feel beforehand when I was making mistakes it was too much where I was looking at their perspectives first and then adapting my plays based on that and being like yeah i kind of agree um which is the wrong completely the wrong way to go about it yeah no that's it's it's amazing to hear the i guess the correlation i want this to be all about you but it's a, it's kind of amazing to hear the correlation between your your betting and my betting because I, I've gone through certain similar things just because we've got the same kind of style where we're using our eyes for betting rather than a lot of people use models or, you know, some people will be steam chasing and stuff like that. And it's, um, I, I, one of the things I've put into my process over the last year is, is listening to other people's opinions more often, but I don't do it for like a, from a bet perspective, I do it for more of like a, what's their opinion on how the fight will play out and how does that play into what I am betting on? If, if that is that, if that makes sense. And it kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. 
similar to what you said with you'd rather just read the the tournament previews and then come up with your bets and that's kind of how I approach it is I'll you know use the first couple of days of the week to come up with all my bets and then I'll go and listen to to other people too I don't think it's a it's not a healthy way of doing things to to listen to other people first and then start your process because you're coming in with biases already mm. and um yeah biases are like the most dangerous thing when it comes to the kind of sports betting that you're doing oh yeah and, and i feel like i didn't quite you know appreciate the level of of how it can influence you and how certain people making a play can put you off whereas now like if i'm really strong on a play and someone else isn't strong i'll sort of be more aware of like what what they think the downside is and what i think the downside is and be able to assess that whereas i think if you hear the downside first before assessing it yourself you automatically agree and be like okay that that's a good point and you put too much emphasis on something that you wouldn't have put emphasis on if it was on your own logic so yeah like i i think it's 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 a really important thing when you are as we are like intuitive betters is to like the the reason we've made our whole process as a success in the past is because of the the way we we approach things at the start we approached it with approach it with something different to bring to the table and if you lose that element of your, your own thinking and your own uh that being the dominant part of your process i think you kind of that, that's a way of kind of losing some of your edge yeah because that's what got you to the dance at the start isn't it <laughs> it's the yeah. like you didn't you know well, at least i didn't you know listen to other people's opinions at the start and then kind of that's how you got your edge you got your edge because of things that you, you were seeing yourself and yes you should definitely try and use that opinion and then listen to other people's opinions too in a like a, a healthy way but yeah that's 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 yeah. how it all got started it didn't get started because of other people so yeah no you yeah. make a you make a really good point there mate um what was the like what was the, can you talk me through like the the day where you were like that's it i'm done i have to stop um was it was it like a like what brought you to that point i, I know you've kind of explained it but like what what was like the final, you know, nail in the coffin? Was it like a, like I have no money left? I, this is like a really bad, you know, really personal question. But like, was it to the point where it's like, well, I actually have no money left to to, to bet with, so I have to stop? Yeah. Or was it like, what was the final nail in the coffin? Was it something like outside of yeah. financial? Yeah, it, I, it wasn't. It wasn't quite quite that extreme in terms of the the money side of things, but it was just the the mental side of things that i i just realized it was just a sort of day where i'm like i'm really not in, enjoying this right now um and like i don't feel like if i bet i'm going to be making profit at this point so i i just felt there was there was just a time where i was just like okay like i, I just didn't feel like i was analyzing enjoying the tennis as much and wasn't um as sharp in terms of viewing things and like just life generally i felt like i wasn't in as good a place i wasn't you know taking the time outside of tennis as much 
So it's this weird paradox where I wasn't enjoying it, but because of that, I'd spend almost more time on it because I would be like, I, I kind of need to, to, to kind of find bets. And it was kind of this um, like vicious paradox at the time in, in some senses, but it just burned me out. And I was like, okay, like I, I, I really do need to just take a break at this point because like I can't do something that's been a real passion to me, but now isn't like I'm not enjoying it at this point. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 it was still a really difficult decision to take because obviously it's been four years of my life and I had, I had so many positive experiences from, from betting and tipping. So it felt like a, it still felt like a loss or it's like weird to describe it as a breakup, but in some sense it's, it's a, a, a career. It felt like it might be a career breakup at the time. And that, that was sort of difficult to process. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of kind of, you know, conflicting emotions at the time that made it difficult, but there was just a certain point where I was like, I'm not enjoying this and I'm not going to be able to make profitable bets. So I need to stop. Yeah, was um, I think you put a like a mentioned something good there was that like you'd been doing this for four years. Like I, I often sometimes think if I had a brain injury tomorrow and I couldn't do sports betting anymore, like <laughs> what would I what would I do with my life? Like I would just I would feel like I've got like you know <laughs> got, I don't I have no idea what I'd do. Like I'd feel like unbelievably lost. So. What did you like? What were some of your initial thoughts on like, all right, I've, I'm going to stop this now, but like, you know, this is your full time job. If you don't make money from the betting markets, then you have no no money coming in, I assume. So yeah. what what was the what was the next step? So, yeah, my, my initial thoughts were just uh, I, I basically took like a month off thinking about betting generally, I, I guess I kind of got to a place where I could compartmentalize it as something I didn't need at this point. And I just went about kind of picking up new skills. I was thinking of kind of going into data analytics or, um, but I was also spending a lot more time with friends and, and getting out doing camping trips or, or whatever. Um, and I just found that the more fun that I had in my life, it's just, um, the, the the sharper I started to think again and my mindset was becoming clearer and just because I was in a better place just in my life I felt in a better place mentally um in terms of thinking clearly about my I was able to start thinking clearly about my betting and what what had kind of gone wrong how I could change it which is sort of like what we discussed and and, and what came about from being in a better place in my life but yeah, it's essentially, I kind of, you know, got to this place where I was thinking about the future and uh, thinking about taking apprenticeships because I don't have uh, any kind of employable skills in, in some degrees to because I have been betting. So it's, it's difficult just to get into the, the job market. Uh, but I think that's been a blessing because what I really realised is that I've got my own bot service and I've got tipsters on the platform. and in the in the last month or two i think i i had just some i was with a couple of friends but then i his friend of a friend's father had a contact um he was he, he, he i just randomly started talking to and he'd been involved with like eight different startups and basically got talking and talking about my bot concept and and whatever and he's like there's a real kind of business here um 
And yeah, so I, I, I talked, had a meeting with him, talked it through more and I've started really kind of prioritising that. Like, it's not as if I'm not prioritising my tennis anymore, but I've got a lot more time to, because I'm really being neat, like more targeted with my ATP where I want to spend my time. I've got more time to focus on developing my, my bot business and that's kind of given me this kind of energy, like all this novelty, all this new ideas about kind of marketing, strategy, developing a website, these kind of things um, has kind of reinvigorated me. And I think that's really helped with my tennis betting and feeling good about that as well. So you kind of, would you say, I guess, part-time sports better, part-time, I guess, businessman <laughs> when it comes yeah. to your, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. In, 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 in terms of the tennis now, I can, um, for example, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for ATP, there's only going to be, you know, four to eight matches. Then on a Friday, four matches, Saturday, two matches, Sunday, one or two matches. So these kind of days, I can sort of have this extra time to kind of focus on um the business side of things and the monday the tuesday wednesday which is when it's you know really busy in terms of having to watch a lot of tennis i can focus on that so i think it's now i've got this kind of structure of how to balance my life with uh growing a business and um betting on the tennis profitably yeah no that's great mate so what are we've talked you've talked a little bit about kind of just focusing on the ATP is that the main change that you've made going forward with your betting or has there been like things within betting on the ATP like certain betting markets yeah. or odds ranges that you're uh, that you're focusing on oh yeah yeah definitely um a combination of going towards ATP but then also diving into the data a bit more um something that i'm quite aware of is sort of tournament performance as well there's certain events where i we, we talked about it on the last uh podcast but things like altitude and and certain courts where there's more value um and just combining that with odds ranges and where i've made mistakes before cutting out like for example even though i'm more confident on atp i still don't want to be betting round one around evens on match winner because i i i'm just not that's not my strength i i and i was betting a really high percentage um obviously not in real terms but sort of maybe like 20 25 percent of my staking was on first round match winner at the start of the season and as i said it was a, a massive leak um so really proportionally adjusting my betting for value and making sure i'm staking on the markets and the rounds that i think i'm going to make the most profit on yeah okay so what like what makes you i guess confident that you won't i guess go down the the cycle that you that you were before like do you think it could you could go down the path of like let's just say you know next six months things go like really well for you and you're like all right i'm gonna start to venture out you know do a few more markets on the atp like do you think i don't know i i assume you're not going to go back to doing both wta and atp because that's you know quite a large step but do you are you at all worried that you could 
I guess, go back to, you know, slips into some of your old habits because I've definitely done that myself with my betting. Like I've had, you know, maybe three or four really good weeks in a row and next thing I know I'm implementing habits again that were losing me money previously. Maybe not be, I wouldn't even put it down to cockiness. It's more so just like, uh, a losing a losing focus and not having a clear mind like are you at all are you worried that you could yeah slip down that path again yeah so i think the biggest takeaway from from the last year has generally been the amount of um self-awareness it's provided me in terms of the, the insights i've gained from from you know stretching myself out too far and um how it's really affected my bottom line and i'd like to i i feel like of course like as betters is is exactly what you say we i think there's always going to be times where we make mistakes but i think with having a lower work rate on the betting and having um a clearer mind um being in a better place mentally i'll be able to be aware of that in the moment a lot more and be like okay like i've slipped slipped on this regard like right i need to to you know refocus again and what i was saying earlier about putting 20 bats out in a in a day that's just not going to happen now i'm going to be you know i don't want to say i'm going to put an arbitrary limit on it but i don't want to be sort of betting more than 10 in a day or more than a certain stake because i just want everything to be quite controlled and, and high value um and i think because I'm developing my business and should be able to make income from other tipsters on my platform. And that should give me more security. It gives me like financial security. It should allow me to, to be more low maintenance and, and, and relaxed with my own tennis betting, which is really important. Um, so I just think I've got a far clearer map going forward of how to kind of manage you know the downside if it were to happen and to to catch my behaviors a lot quicker whereas i think before i just didn't like there was this kind of not spiral but there was this not this sense of knowing how to deal with the um problems that i had at the time which is not something that i'm worried about going forward yeah can you go into more depth like of what you mean by like being able to catch yourself when you feel like you're going down a, I don't know, let's just call it a negative EV path. It's like really ridiculous yeah. to say that, but like <laughs> when, um, yeah, when you feel like, like how are you able to, can you give like a real life example of like, is it like, I don't know, a lack of sleep, something like as small as that, or is it just like, I don't, like, can you explain, yeah, how you're able to tell that maybe today you're going to make some negative EV decisions? Yeah, like I feel for me, there's a really strong correlation between days where I, I've maybe had a, you know, a few drinks with friends on a Friday night and nothing, like I don't go crazy these days, but um, yeah. enough to, to make me like sleep badly and wake up in the morning and I'd still have like a few, some matches to analyze and I just there'll be maybe the, the deceptive thing is for maybe the first half an hour or for an hour you still feel pretty mentally sharp but this kind of degrading of your mental faculties kicks in a lot quicker um and then I would probably keep following through and making 
betting decisions after I've reached a point where I should be like, okay, like enough's enough. Um, and I think I just feel like I'm a lot more aware, like, oh, if, if I were to go out, I just probably wouldn't bet the next day. Um, I just, because you trust yourself more than you should, basically. I, I feel like I look back on those days and think, okay, like, I like I feel like I feel better than I am and then it's only after a couple of days later I was like like I really wasn't in a place where I should have been putting 20 units out or whatever um so yeah I think that's it is the lack of sleep or just feeling mentally not sharp in the morning is a good good example to use yeah Did, did you ever get to a stage like when you were losing where you were thinking like while you were like in the process of you know about to message this out to your subscribers that like you felt in like in the back of your mind like this was a bad, potentially a bad bet but you were still like maybe you had all your indicators going off saying you know this is bad this is bad this is bad but you were still like you still sent it out and like because you were like tr- like you were almost like having internal deliberations in your head like well, this mm. part of it is like telling me not to bet this, but this other part is like, oh no, you should, definitely should should bet this. Like, did you ever have those yeah. like where you're kind of like over like arguing with yourself in your head kind of thing? And then what yeah. situations were you still sending those bets out? Yeah, I, I think there were times where I I would sort of be aware that I might not feel my best, but I almost feel that there was extra perceived value on on a bet and um i would just try i would probably just yeah rationalize it slightly incorrectly um and i think it is it's your own mind is your 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 most dangerous opponent at times with betting i think it's very hard in the moment to to make those decisions correctly which is why i think going forward one of the most important things is to almost pre-plan for when you're in these states so that you've got giving yourself a clear message of like okay if I'm not slept well I don't bet or I I really consider the downsides quite dramatically and maybe get more feedback from another couple of tipsters just not in the perspective of making bets but in terms of ruling bets out in some some senses so it's definitely I feel like that's something that's now a lot more important to me is just that element of caution and defensiveness in my betting when i know i should be defensive yeah um and lastly mate during i guess the days where i guess you were losing or maybe when you decided to finish things up were there like can you can you kind of explain like i guess i don't know if i want to say like your darkest day but like your um were there were there like certain like what was the reaction of your subscribers kind of thing like was it because i know that this you know the tipping industry can be quite a vile industry at times and yeah like i i would guess that you've had people like have a crack at you if that's maybe Mm. like the nicest way of putting it um (laughs) can you like how like did that happen and how will like yeah like personally not on like a you know financial level but personally like yeah how how was that yeah you know you know one of the weirdest things um i was i was so prepared for that i and that, and that was part of my biggest worry i i thought i was gonna get 
because I think you catastrophize in these situations as well. You're like, you know, you've lost people a lot of like a decent amount of money in the last six months. And you're worried that like, ah, oh, like you stop now and there's just going to be a lot of anger, especially when there's not been a, a, a winning period or, or whatever. Um, and it was remarkable because it was the complete opposite. I had so many messages of support, weirdly saying, um, like, uh, like you're doing the right thing. Like, I really hope, you know, you feel better soon in, in the next few months. Um, I mean, there were people that, of course, requested, um, wanted refunds financially. And that was sort of difficult for me to, to you know, figure out. But everyone was, even people that, like, um, were blunter or they were all respectful. Um, and that was something I wasn't expecting. I was expecting a bombardment of you're this and you're that but I think it sort of made me feel pretty good within myself because I think it's sort of maybe a testament to the fact I have been so honest and accountable that people know exactly what I'm feeling what I'm thinking about any given time and you know I get a bit more extra leeway because of that honesty and that people know that I'm being having accountability and kind of have integrity with my my betting um and it's also the case that the the subscribers I had during the, that period, and there's still a fair fair number, like close to a hundred. I think they've all they're more serious betters because they've stuck with me through those bad periods before. They're they're not the kind of you want to know the strangest paradoxical thing, right? The the strangest paradoxical thing is that my worst comments came in 2018 um, after. I'd had the most amazing run because I had a 30 point drawdown after that amazing run. They're like, you lose, like, how's that possible? You lose. <laughs> and I'd get a load of comments like, you're terrible or whatever, after I'd made 300 points profit because it's the type of members that you have. You have members that jump on to the winning bandwagon and expect this the whole time. And that's not the reality. Whereas a lot of the members that I have presently, um, I've built up a lot of goodwill with and, and um, profit over the years and they're happy to be more forgiving and understanding um, when in combination with the fact I've been so accountable for myself and my actions. So um, to be honest, I really was expect like, I, I am sure you'd be surprised that there wasn't at least some kind of like negative. <laughs> but there really wasn't much at all, which shocked yeah. me. I think you hit the nail on the head, mate, because it's, it's, it's just a, an absolute credit to you that you've been so open and honest throughout your whole, or at least I've only really, you know, followed and known you for, you know, about 18 months, I'd say. So, but I've never uh, seen anyone in the tipping industry so open and honest about their results and, yeah, just just so willing to answer questions and, almost like instead of me asking the questions to you you're telling me why where you've made mistakes if you get what i mean without yeah, even yeah. without even subscribers knowing and because you've done that you've opened up a human side to you or at least a, a side to you where um you know people you know enjoy your open and and you know your openness um, and also, I think there's a sense of like, if you tell people that 
like the hard times you're going through uh, and that you're closing up shop and you give them the reasons why. Like you can't, you can't, like you're an idiot if you go out and get angry at someone who's just told you all the problems. Like it's like yeah. there's nothing to, yeah, it's, it's like uh, no one can take the piss out of you for something wrong with your face if you make the joke about it too. Like, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it, it really is a it really is a credit to you. I, like this is the the whole reason that I've I wanted to get you on is because you're so you're amazingly open and honest. And I've I've walked in your shoes for maybe it was whatever six months that I tip, did tipping myself, and um, like you know I was. You know, I'm not going to say I was scamming anyone, but I certainly wasn't as like honest and, and open as, as you are with with my results and things that I was doing wrong, things that I was doing right, and just going into such great detail. So, mate, yeah, it's a uh, mate. Thanks, you know, thank you so much for for everything that you've done over the last year, or especially the last six months of going into detail about not only your results but your personal life too like it takes it takes great courage and there's no there really is no one else like you in the industry um and and also of course thanks for for coming on today because um yeah i don't think uh you, you are you really are a rarity mate and you deserve you deserve all the credit in the world I, I really, really appreciate your kind comments. And I, I just, I think I just want to say that, um, that like it is something that's difficult at first being more open and, and honest. And, but now it's become sort of part of who I am, if that makes sense. And that makes it easier. You get used to like saying exactly how you feel. Um, and I, I do feel like it gives yourself a, a level of authenticity. Um, yeah. that having that openness it's almost a defense not a defense mechanism but it does defend you in some senses because it's like what as you say what can someone say to you i'm like i've been completely honest with you there's nothing i'm hiding here um and yeah. that does kind of protect you somewhat um weirdly um so yeah but yeah it's, it's honestly great being on on this podcast as well and i i really appreciate what you what you do with uh these um interviews and yeah great great i thought today was a great chat so so thanks so much no it's mate anytime and i i i listened to a i listened to a podcast the circles off podcast a couple of weeks ago and i can't remember i think the guy's name was las vegas something he's an nfl better and he was saying he he's he's a what do they call it in um in america they don't call it a tipster they call it something else um Oh, the name escapes Kappa. me. Kappa. Yeah, not, yeah, no, it's, it's something else. Nice. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, and he was. It sounded like he places a lot of a lot. Like he's a, been a professional for a very long time. His stakes are big. Like he doesn't need to. Um, yeah, he doesn't need to be a tipster, but he does it just to keep himself sharp and keep himself like. Um, yeah, I guess honest in the way that he does his betting and like if he's he's going to be more i guess more responsible over his bets if he's tipping it to other people rather than if he's just placing it himself um so it kind of goes back to to what you just said if you are if you work it into your actual process of betting like 
you know, being open and honest and explaining yourself to, you know, being accountable, I guess, to other people, then it'll improve your betting in turn. So even if maybe even if you are, you know, a big shot, you know, and you, you know, you don't need the money from tipping or whatever, like maybe it's a good thing to to have a part of your, you know, process to actually send your bets out to people. So you are, you know, accountable in some sense. Yeah, I, I honestly think like I'm glad you mentioned that because it's something that, you know, I really resonate with. I feel like I would not be the better I am today without being a tipster. And I'm sure of that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm I'm a way better better because of the fact I've been a tipster because I've had to be so accountable. Um whereas if I'd just bet for four years on my on my own, I think, you know, I never would have had the insights that I've gained from from tipping. So I, I, I completely get what the NFL person is doing and I probably would encourage anyone that wants to be more accountable to, to do it publicly. It's uh, Obviously, there's reasons to not do it if you don't want to keep yeah. your edge up, that kind of thing. But if, yeah. if it's possible, then like I, I weirdly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, like I, I've done it. I've been a tipster myself and I couldn't, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't handle... Uh, I couldn't. The, the downtimes hurt me too much because I, yeah. I, I cared too much. It actually it negatively affected me. So I don't like you were saying, you know. Although we're saying it's like a good thing for people to do, like mm. you know, it can work for some people. I definitely think it. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't work for me because I. Yeah. I I got too emotional. <laughs> I oh, uh, yeah. just in general, just in general life, I cared. Yeah, I'm quite lucky. I'm a bit robotic in in that sense at times. Yeah. I I. <laughs> I get like frustrated at myself, but I can kind of detach from the you know the general emotion. But yeah, it, it's 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 really hard if if you do take things, um, you know, if 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 it does affect you tipping to other people, then it's it's not worth it because you know yeah. the, it's too much of an emotional roller coaster. If, if um, oh yeah, it, things. it's each to their own, and I I just yeah. noticed that I. I care too much about what people think about me, so yeah. rather than just not know anything. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just really respect it. <laughs> yeah, it made my life a lot easier. But no, each to their own, and I can definitely respect uh, or at least understand the reasoning why some people um, do, you know, become tipsters just so they can, you know, maybe sharpen up their own process. But... Mate, we've uh, we've babbled on a little bit here. At least I have. Thanks, uh, yeah. thanks for coming on, mate. Do you want to quickly let everyone know? Um, obviously, you've been on before, but yeah, how they can get in touch with you and um, yeah. yeah, what kind of ways you've got to you've got your bot. And I, I think I briefly saw that you've got other ways that people can follow your bets uh, also. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I've got a blogger bet account now that you can pay a monthly fee for or um, my bot service is literally just pay as you go. So you, you get credits and if you, you make profit, you have to pay for new credits. Uh, there's a lot more information on my, my website. Um, but yeah, if you want to get in touch, I'm on Twitter. What's the tips? And I know Twitter had this funny thing now of paying for uh, DMs. So on Telegram, it's just that Wadster as well. Perfect, mate. Yeah, I've not uh, I've not ventured into Twitter DMs lately, but I have, I have, I think I tried to DM someone a couple of weeks ago and it wouldn't let me, so I was very yeah. confused. <laughs> it's all, it's all changed lately. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening.
Please make sure if this is your first time on the podcast, you do a quick rate and review of the podcast and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if this is uh, your first, second, third time on YouTube, please give us a give us a like and um, and subscribe to the channel. Aiden, mate, terrific stuff once again, and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, all the best, Alex. Yeah.